He is the way and the truth and the life. How's it going, John? It's going great. Can you believe this is already our fifth episode? Fifth episode, how time is flying. I know, it's crazy. I think we're having fun, though. Yeah, so this is, uh, we began with the Bread of Life discourse. It was actually a really good uh, week to get it started. It just kind of happened like that by accident. Well, it was kind of you, right? I said, hey, I've been having this idea for this podcast. And you were like, hey, let's do it. Yeah. And I was like, when do you want to start? And you were like, this week? Yeah, so I've always had a little dream to have a podcast, but it was never, I never wanted it to be like my podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I listened to a lot of podcasts, but I never thought, I was like, okay, Father Poirier's podcast. Like, who cares about that? Well, it right. doesn't sound too appealing. No. So that, I was <laughs> like, it, if we'll see where it goes. And then, but this is perfect. It's for the parish. It's the St. Pius X podcast. And so it's, it is really cool. It is. I mean, we can be honest though. It really is the Father Poirier and John Ray show. And the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll get some, uh, here we we'll, get, back like, to we'll that. get like 10 people in here and we'll just figure out something. Yeah. Here we are back to our humility again. Right. <laughs> so tell me about your weekend. Did, what did you do? So my weekend, a lot of people, it's like, oh, you had a relaxing weekend? Or, well, uh, it's always relaxing. Uh, but I always joke with people. It's like the weekend's the only days that I work, you know? That's, uh, you know, well, we had... You uh, said it. Yeah, that, <laughs> we had... Um, Saturday, I had Saturday afternoon mass. Father Brady, if you're listening, that's not true. He actually does work other times. <laughs> yeah, Father Brady, don't fire me. <laughs> uh, and then we had a beautiful uh, fundraiser dinner. It was the Rose Dinner oh, with Dr. Yeah. Kim Hardy. We actually had a parishioner uh, that got honored with an award there, right? Mm-hmm. Did we have more than one? Uh, well, we had Dr. Kim Hardy. That was kind of, at least from my understanding, it was like the Dr. Kim Hardy Rose Dinner. It was uh, a fundraiser for kind of like pro-life causes. And sure. so a lot of uh, pregnancy centers were there. A lot of priests, the bishop was there. I kind of rolled up after the 5 p.m. mass, not knowing what it was going to be. I was expecting, I was like, oh, it's going to be a dinner at someone's house, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> It was a huge event. Well, you usually are pretty clueless when it comes to things, right? I mean, I mean look, I just kind of show up. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I was there and I saw hundreds of cars. I was like, "Oh Lord, this is uh, not what I thought." But it was, it was a great, it was a great dinner. It was awesome. Uh, they have a live auction and everything. It was really cool. I saw Miss Paula Taylor um, uh, got an award. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, scrolling through social media. So yeah, they they had they awarded people from different parishes that just you know really worked hard over the years for the pro life cause. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, such an important cause. Uh, what else happened this weekend? Well, we had that, and then I had uh, the two morning masses. Um, if case people, people always ask me, you know, uh, how does this work? So we kind of split the Sunday masses right down the middle, me and father Brady. And so one weekend I'll take half. You do half a mass. He does half a mass. Yeah. He, uh, he preaches and I just, I just, uh, you know, I'm just there. Uh, we, I take the first three masses and then he'll take the last two. And then the next weekend he'll take the first three masses and then I'll take the last two. And so over the course of two weeks, uh, we see everyone within the parish, hopefully for Sundays. Unless they're following you around, like they're, they're watching the schedule. And the it happens and more than you think. You're little... A lot of people do, you know, <laughs> people only go to father Brady's masses or, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just funny. Yeah. No, people, I, I know. Uh, if he had so small that they follow him from parish to parish. Too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, and then I helped out uh, at the cathedral 
uh, that afternoon um, for Father Chester. He was out of town. But also something that was really cool that happened. I baptized my very first nephew. So I'm the God. Not your first baptism, your first nephew. My first nephew, yeah. So I'm the godfather of my first nephew, but I wasn't able to baptize him because I wasn't a deacon yet. Ah. And so uh, now with the birth of my second nephew, I was able to baptize him. My uh, brother was the godfather. Uh, it's my sister's second son. That's cool. Yeah, so that was really, we did that at St. Peter and Paul and Scott after uh, their 10 a.m. Mass. And so since I didn't have the 1030 mass, I was able to go. That's cool. Look at that. It sounds like you had a busy weekend. It was a, it was an eventful weekend. And it was they, it was definitely it was filled with uh, stuff to do and it was good. And then they let you um, they let you sleep in this morning, right? Uh, well, you know, uh, yeah, what uh, 530 a.m. confessions. I'm always I really am excited to um, to be able to do that ministry. So like my wake up call is typically at 4:30 a.m. and uh, and then but you know getting ready for the day, um, it is a good way to start the day off. Yeah, hearing confessions or hearing confessions, celebrating mass, doing a holy hour, and then right after that, right after my holy hour, I go out for drop off, and so that drop off of school at 7:15 uh, uh, begins. It goes to about 7:45. So you're greeting all the little kids. Oh yeah, it's nice. e- easiest part of my day. Nice. Getting. Do they get out of the car smiling still? Oh well, you, well, you know they squint their eye, you know, because of the mask. Yeah, yeah. So like, are they smiling? I'm not too sure, but I, they squint their eyes. Okay, so they. But I mean, two weeks into school, they're still happy to oh, be here depends, for the most part, right? Yeah. yeah, it depends. Not the eighth graders. <laughs> once they, well, the eighth graders, once they see me and I crack a joke, some of them smile. It's you know, a sympathy smile. Your it's jokes a, are yeah, you're right. It's uh, they, they just feel bad for me. <laughs> so, um, sounds like you had a good weekend. I'm glad they let you sleep in this morning. Um, <laughs> speaking of confession, you kind of talked a little bit about that in your homily this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So it was the final week of the Bread of Life discourse, and so I tried to go into uh, something about the Eucharist every week, and so I figured I'd end it with the Eucharist as communion. Sure. And uh, communion and confession go hand in hand. You cannot separate one without the other. So let's talk about that a little bit. As I was listening to your homily, you know, really that theme of, you know, the importance of going to confession kept coming up. And you know, I would imagine we have some listeners that are listening that struggle with confession. Um, What would you say to them? Well, I would say a lot of people don't know, um, like, uh, so everyone just knows that the priest, whatever is said in confession is of the utmost secrecy. There's there's absolutely nothing that can break that, that sacredness of silence within the priest. What assurance do people have of that? So that's what I want to, that's what I'll, I'll get into. The, um, something that a lot of people just kind of know that, but they don't know the details of it. And so I'll just kind of go into a little bit of canon law. And mm-hmm. so uh, a canon law is just the laws of the church you know, for people that are listening. How many laws are there? There's a lot. (laughs) There's like, uh, I'm not too sure, but it is a miracle because you look at the law books of, like, let's just say Louisiana, right? And there's volumes and volumes of it. And Louisiana is a state that's been around for just a few hundred years. You take the law book of the Catholic Church, which is across the world and has been established for 2,000 years, Mm -hmm. and it's in one little book. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's in a book that about, you know. Well, so, but I mean, we probably have so many laws in Louisiana that we've forgotten what laws we have. So we just pass the same ones over and over worded. <laughs> yeah, a little well, probably so. I mean, I, who reads all those volumes? <laughs> Attorneys. Uh, yeah. Well, Father Brady was an attorney. He was. Yeah. And he's a canon lawyer. Yep. Go figure. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, confession, canon law, the secrecy of the priest. So there's, there's different ways to kind of break the seal of confession. I'll start off with the most serious one. It is called a direct break of the seal. Uh, what is it? A direct break of the seal is whenever a priest connects a sin to a certain person. So let's just by happenstance, right? So I just say, uh, I'm, this is a complete, you know, Use example. me as an example because I'll, I'm, I'll I'm never going to go to confession to you. I'll say <laughs> that uh, let's, I'm true. just going to look at this book. This book has the name uh, right on it. Okay, so if I if I if a priest happens to say, you know, uh, right just came to confession and he said he gossips, that is a direct break of the seal. De facto. When that happens, the priest is immediately removed from ministry. Mm. He can no longer celebrate mass. He can no longer do baptisms, weddings, funerals, no longer hear confessions. He is no longer a priest in good standing by just the fact that it happened. He doesn't need the bishop to come in and say something. He doesn't need the pope or another priest to come in by the mere fact that it happened that priest is removed immediately, de facto. No strings attached, it's it. Okay. It's, it's, it's the most extreme punishment the church can ever enact on a person. Mm. And that is whenever a priest connects a sin to a person, no matter what. Uh, it doesn't matter how little or how big it is. Uh, and so that is called a direct break of the seal. Okay. Um, and so now that is the most serious people, whatever you confess, I'm, I'm just, let's just go to the extremes. Like I've father, I have murdered 30 people, you know, or whatever it is the, if you're contrite, there's nothing that can make the priest break that sacred silence because God, who is alpha and omega, who creates everything and knows everything forgets. I remember not long ago, there was a priest who was held in contempt of court because whatever crime had been committed, mm -hmm. it had been confessed in the confessional and he refused to break that seal. Yeah, I know that priest is in Baton Rouge. I th that's what I, that's mm -hmm. what I remember. It was just a few years ago. And they, I mean, they were asking the priest, well, did this happen? Did this happen? And the priest, he can't say yes or he can't say no. The, the, the only thing the priest can do is just be Christ on the road to Calvary. Uh, be silent. Sure. In the midst of, the, of whatever they're throwing at you, you're silent. Just like Christ was. And there's just no way around that. Uh, the priests are trying to accept that, that uh, people could throw accusations left and right. Um, but if, if, if it's in the midst of a confession, they are silent. Mm -hmm. they're, they're led like a lamb, uh, completely silent. Uh, and they accept whatever happens by the grace of God. Sure. So, um, so I'm sure that there are other ways, you know, but the assurance that... Um, our good people have is that I mean worst case scenario father's going to lose his priesthood if he if he speaks mm -hmm. um, 
what about those people who haven't been to confession since their first confession and they're like 85 years old today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you say to them? The priest can help you make a good confession. Just say, Father, look, it's been, man, I don't even know how long since my last confession. Okay, okay. And the and look, we're, we're tra- has it been five years? No, way longer than that. Okay, has it been 50 years? Uh, a little bit less than that. Okay, maybe let's just say 30 years, huh? And they say, yeah, that sounds about right. And I say, okay, I'll, we're, we're able to help. Sure. Conf- like, just come. Just come. Get a- The Lord doesn't call you to bear, to like hold on to your sin forever. The Lord calls you to defeat sin. Mm, I like that. To let it go. That's not a, we're not called to bear that burden. I like that. Um, I used to tell our teens that, uh, that uh, heaven isn't like Walmart, Hmm. right? If you don't have your receipt, you might not be able to get in, right? But confession gives you that receipt. Like, hey, you know, if God, let's put a human um, trait on him, if he could forget, and obviously he can't forget, like, you know, but if he could forget, confession is that receipt that assurance that you have that you went right mm-hmm. um the other cool thing that I, I think is just really beautiful about confession is uh is that um you know the grace you talked a little bit about grace yesterday in regards to the the eucharist but um but the grace that we receive from it um and each sacrament i think we talked about this in one of the first episodes has a particular grace right mm-hmm. that is irrepeatable in all the other sacraments. Um, and so what's the grace, what's the particular grace in confession and what does it do for us? I would say the particular grace, the bullseye of, uh, of confession is that one, if of course forgives our sins. Sure. Right. Confession is not like a bath or a shower where like I, I'm washed clean just so I can get dirty again. Mm. It's not like that. People can treat it like that though. Mm-hmm. Right. I, okay. I'm okay. My, this is my confession for this time, but later on I'm going to commit the same sin. And so I, I just come back later on. So no confession, baptism recreates us. Confession renews us. Mm. It's, it helps us make us a new creation. It helps us be what we are, a son of God, a daughter of God, right? It, as a new creation. It, confession is supposed to help me change my life. Mm-hmm. And so the, the best, the, the most we can get out of confession is whenever I go there, really put, putting my hope and my trust that I'm, I am gonna do different. I am gonna be different. Right, I'm, I, I'm leaving that life behind me. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer that person. The old man is dead, and I, now I live in Christ. And and the, that grace helps him to do just that, leave mm-hmm. it behind. Right? Yeah. It helps us to overcome those sins. What would you say to a person that I don't know? They're you know older. Let's just say you know forties. And they've uh, they're, they're still struggling with the same sins that they've been struggling for for years. I, is it pretty common for people to struggle with habitual sin? Uh, I would say it just depends on the person. The, uh, for a person that struggles with habitual sin, bring it up in confession. Just uh, tell the priest, Father, look, I've been struggling with this sin since I don't know how long. The pro- look, we are the priest is supposed to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. The priest is supposed to be a master of the spiritual life. Mm. I mean, 
we can help you overcome sin. That's our job. I mean, like that's my <laughs> that's my job description. Sure, helping people become saints. And so if you tell if you let me know, or especially like our counseling, mm-hmm. we can think of a game plan because a lot of people, as long they people have to realize that the sin that I struggle with habitually is not just gonna poof like one day just disappear and like fade out of existence just because time has passed. No, God is molding you and he's helping you become a warrior for Christ. But you need to think of a game plan. Sure. Like you have to do something about that. And that's where Christ is trying to push us that Christianity the life he calls me to in grace is not a spectator sport. That if I want to become a saint, I have to work at it. Mm. It's not something that just kind of happens. I don't trip and fall into heaven. Sure. By accident. <laughs> it's it, not a it's not a mistake. Yeah, it's not it just doesn't happen. And so the uh to work at it, to think of a game plan. Okay, look, in football, we're running the ball, it's not getting anywhere. We're throwing the ball, it's not getting anywhere. What? Do you just give up? No, you you're thinking on the fly. You got to think of different ways to move the ball. Uh, that's how that's how winning is done. Yep. I just had this image of Drew Brees sitting on the sideline. I mean, we're gonna miss him this year, right? Sitting on the sideline, watching the mm-hmm. the film and the, the looking at the plays and seeing where he could improve on each play. I would think that it's not uncommon for people to struggle with habitual sin because we are a unique person, right? Mm-hmm. You're different than I am. I would imagine that if we sat here and started talking about the 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 habitual sins that you and I struggle with, your sins are probably different than my sins because again, we're not the same person and the enemy studies us. He knows mm-hmm. the traps to set and he knows what's going to lure us in, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, so if you are one of those people who are struggling with habitual sin, I just love what Father said. Talk speak it out loud, you know, go to the confessional and speak it out loud and really start to examine your life. That way you start to identify where those traps are that you keep exactly. falling into. Look, I'm, I'm there to help you get better. That, that, that's why the priest is in the confessional. And if you're worried about like, man, father might, you know, judge me or whatever, go behind the screen. The screen is, I mean, I can't see and you can't see me. Sure. It's a, uh, and plus there's also a, ch- a Catholic church within a stone's throw everywhere in Lafayette. So just pick a church and go. If you find a good confessor that helps you overcome, that doesn't just let you slide by, right? I mean, I think as a father, your kids are struggling with something, whatever it may be, right? Uh, You're helping them. You don't just like, I was like, okay, well, look, just don't put a fork in the uh, electrical socket next time, you know? And then, but you keep giving them a fork. How'd you know that happened? Well, you know, it happens. (laughs) So, I mean, but you, you help them kind of get over to prepare so they're just not falling in. And that's what, that's what confession is supposed to help you do that. You can, you, you come to light with your sins. God knows them. Just bring it to light. And then think we're going to help you think of a game plan to get over this. Cause God is not calling you to continually struggle with this. He's calling you to defeat it, uh, to carry your cross Right. And not just don't keep falling down. So confession is a great way, the, the perfect way, the best way, the best way the, um, to overcome sin. And then, of course, what we talked about to receive the Eucharist worthily and well. Yep.
So I like what you said yesterday. Uh, a, a, tr- a priest is trained to be a lion on the pulpit and a lamb in the confessional. Mm-hmm. And so if you're afraid that if, if there is a concern in your life, a fear that father's going to be mean to you and judge you, that's not what he's there for. No. And look, I, I'll just say this, because I don't know where people are at in regards to anything like that. If you, who, whoever's listening, have ever had like just a, a really negative experience in confession, I, as a Catholic priest, want to apologize to you. That is not what confession is about. If in some way, I mean, I've only been doing this for a little bit, but I mean, it was like, man, Father Poirier, he was a real jerk. I am legitimately sorry. The confession is supposed to help build us up, not tear us down. Uh, and so in, a, in the, the best, the most gentle way, was supposed to help grow in holiness, not uh, be intimidated by it. So um, there's a cool story. We'll wrap up our little discussion on, on confession this way, if you're okay, and we'll kind of jump into the gospel and the homily a little bit. Absolutely. Um, do you know the story of uh, St. Faustina? Well, I know about St. Faustina. Divine Mercy, and she yeah. had... Um, apparitions of Jesus. She would see Jesus. She would talk to Jesus. Um, and her spiritual director, do you know this story? Her spiritual director, um, her spiritual director was testing, right. As the church does to confirm if this is a actual apparition. And, you know, um, her spiritual director said, ask Jesus what my worst sin was the next time you see him. And, um, and so, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know, the next time that she was visiting with Jesus, mm-hmm. um, she asked about her spiritual, father wants to know what is worse and he's, he's trying, he, he, he's testing, you know, however the conversation went, you know what Jesus' response was? I be, I've heard you say it. Go back and tell father, I don't remember he, he's been to confession. Mm-hmm. So there's just this beauty in the sacrament that, you know, not only do we know that we've been forgiven because we've heard it, right? And we go going back to how the church appeals to our senses and everything. Yeah. We've heard that we we have that assurance of hearing that our sins are forgiven. We've been given the grace to overcome the sin in our life. And that sin is now blotted out of our history in the mind of God. The Alpha and Omega, the one who knows everything, forgets. That is an incredible miracle that happens with confession. And so if God can forget it, then people, you should forget it. Mm. Leave that in the past. Right? God's calling you to something much more. And, uh, and he's not calling you to carry that weight. There's a great quote from uh, Pope John Paul II where it says, you are not the sum of your weakness and failures. You are the mm. sum of the Father's love for you. Bingo. I want you to hear this clearly. You are not your sin. Right? Your sin is a thing that you've done. It is not who you are. So stop identifying with it. If it's been a while, um, go to confession. We have confessions every day, sometimes twice a day. Um, and, and, and leave it there, right? Mm-hmm. Don't identify with it. Yeah. So Jesus makes some pretty bold statements in this week's gospel. Um, Jesus ain't playing. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, he said, does this shock you? Right? They're like, 
bickering back and forth. You know, this saying is hard to accept. He's, you know, for those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, we're in the Bread of Life discourse, and um, he's made some bold statements about, you know, unless you eat its flesh and drink its blood. And he says to them, does this shock you? And, um, and, and you know, later on, you know, just a few lines later, they start to walk away. Like thousands of people that have followed him, they, mm-hmm. and and he doesn't call them back. He doesn't start to clarify things. He doesn't. He looks at the twelve, and this is just one of my favorite lines in all the scripture. He looks at the twelve and he says, "Hey, do y'all want to go too? Will this you is, too like, leave me? Yep. yep. He he lays it all down. Like he risks his entire mission, basically, because the mission, you know, I mean, obviously his mission is coming to the world mm-hmm. to defeat death and sin on the cross. But his plan is that we have the church to turn us into saints. As you said, mm-hmm. he looks at the leaders of that church and says, are y'all going to, because this is what it's going to take to follow me. Yeah. Our Lord is, um, it was very bold, but then it's also just a reminder for us we're not called to change the church teaching. If people people come to the church because of the truth, but then at some point in their life, people leave, you know, just because they can't accept it at that moment. But we're not called to hinder the truth. God is, is fully God. We can't just give people like a, a peace and then deny the rest of God. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to bring the truth to people. And Christ just constantly reminds us of, of that, just that hard fact that in the eyes of the world, you may seem as a failure. Like in the eyes of the world, at that episode, Christ was a failure. He lost most of his followers. Mm-hmm. And he could have just, he could have, I'm just kidding, you know, come back. Uh, and then try to explain that more. And then like at a different time, maybe they'd be ready. Our, our Lord did it the way he did it. Uh, I like how you said that the truth is the truth, you know? Um, so we're going to unpack that okay. in, in, in a little bit of time that we have left. Um, the mission of God, right? I've, I've kind of been on this kick lately. The mission of God becomes our mission. And that is that the world know who he is, right? Um, that, that, you know, it's, um, it's, I was thinking about this this morning. It's John Paul II. He's just keep, he keeps coming up, you know, he's a good guy to come up how he talks about the woman being the archetype of all creation because she bears, brings life into her and then bears life to the world, which is what we're called to do as God's creation to receive his life into us and then bring his life to the world. Um, and in lack of a mission, people tend to get, become very passionate about things that aren't important. Right. Um, and we're, I think we see that in the world today. Our mission as Christians is to breathe God's life into us and then breathe his life into the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Eucharist is a direct, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's, it's a visible sign of that, right? We literally receive God into us so that we can bring him to the world. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's why we have this common union right? Communion, Communion. this common union with God. We become one with him for a brief moment in time so that we can bring him to the world. I think a lot of times as Catholics, we forget that the Eucharist isn't just for me, right? It's not just, it is for me. Like you said yesterday in your homily, it's about, um, uh, it, it has enough grace to instantaneously turn us into a saint. And if we allowed it to do that, then we would also 
bring that saintliness to the world, Mm -hmm. which would be bringing. So the Eucharist isn't just for my own holiness. It's so that I can go and be Jesus to the people in the world that I live in. Right. You got to keep the faith, just not to yourself. Mm. (laughs) There you go. Yep. That, I mean, the, uh, receiving the Eucharist is the most intimate act of God we can do. It's um, it's the mountaintop, and that's why I say that's why I say confession and the Eucharist go hand in hand. Because if I want to have such an intimate union with God, I need to let that stuff go. I need to let go of. My, I can't enter heaven with sin. Mm. It's not possible. And so, if I want heaven on earth. I got to let go of my sin. Yeah. Uh, uh, the more I'm able to let that go, the more I'm able to receive Christ, the more he's able to change me. Not just not a bath, not a shower where I get clean just so I can get dirty again. It's he changes me. He changes my entire world. He changes a, who I am. Uh, it, and so, yeah. Yeah, he creates us. He helps us to become who we are. Another mm-hmm. another John Paul II quote. Helps us yeah. to become who we already are, who we really are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as we change, then we bring that change to the world and others change as well. Bingo. Mm. I think that was a great, uh, that's just a beautiful image, you know, um, on why God gave us the Eucharist. Yeah. Well, he said, I'll be with you all. His last words... He ever spoke was go and baptize all nations in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And behold, I will be with you always. Until the end of the ages. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, he's with us in spirit, sure. But he's also with us physically on every altar. I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, and so if you want to spend some time with Jesus, I want to invite you. Um, our, our, our chapel is always open. The church is always open. Yeah. The, there's a lot of things, you know, I write stuff down for my homilies and I only talk about half of them, you know, <laughs> cause I'm not going to keep people there for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Maybe uh, I should. I don't know. Well, I mean, yours was longer than father Brady's this weekend. I'm just saying, well, I, I see yeah. the, I see the audio file. So I know. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, like we have adoration. Adoration is a great way to grow in devotion to the Eucharist, to grow to grow in love of the Eucharist, of the presence of Christ and communion with Christ. Uh, we have adoration available, or oh, what, Monday through Saturday, huh? Or Monday through Monday Friday? Monday through Friday. Okay. Um, exposed adoration, yeah. right? Um, where the Blessed Sacrament is exposed 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., I think, um, yeah. for the most part. And then the Blessed Sacrament's always in the tabernacle. So you Bingo. can go to the chapel at any time. Are and, you go inside the church? Yep. Yeah, well, but they could get into the chapel at okay, any time. Yeah. We, we lock the church, I think, at 6 o'clock in the evening. Okay. Um, and so um, next Wednesday is next... What? Next. next Wednesday is September 1st. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next Wednesday we'll have adoration in the church. Um, I think all day. Okay. And then, um, for sure from six to seven, um, Deacon Sammy will preside over adoration. Okay. He has a little scripture service and anyway, so, um, put that on your calendar. Adoration is a great way to grow in devotion. Mass, mm-hmm. like a daily mass, mm-hmm. is a great way. Uh, very soon, uh, in a few weeks, we're going to have uh, two daily masses. One at 6 a.m. and one at noon, starting yeah. after Labor Day? Yep. Yep. Uh, at St. Pius X. These masses, they're under 30 minutes. They're meant for the working people that, okay, look, I got an hour lunch break. This begins at 12.05. You're going to be out. You're going to be walking out by 12.35. By 12.30, we're done. 
yeah. right? Uh, or at, at, in the morning, 6 a.m. begins mass. By 6.30, you're back in your car. I mean, like, the, it's meant for the people that want to grow in devotion for the Eucharist, but they, you know, they work. Yeah. And so the, the daily mass or adoration is a phenomenal way to grow in love of the Eucharist. If you're struggling, then let's do something about it, right? Don't just sit there and take it. Don't just keep losing yardage, right? Let's think of a game plan. Let's, let's do something about this. If you, if you want to grow in love, you have to do something for love. Mm. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, don't just mindlessly go to mass, right? Father mentioned in one of his first, uh, in one of our first episodes, that active, um, conscious participation in mass. Be conscious of who it is that you're receiving, um, even if there's doubt, even if you have some hesitation as is is this really Jesus, right? Be conscious of who you're you're receiving at mass, and when you get back to your pew, bring that doubt to him if you have it, right? And and if you don't have doubt, then be with him in that moment. Mm-hmm. Whether you have doubt or not, be with him. And he's going to continue to reveal the depths of his love to you and continue to change you into who he created you to be. Yeah. There's there's two different ways to prepare for Mass. There's one that's kind of, okay, throughout the week, I might just try to, okay, let me read the readings. It takes, you know, a few minutes. It takes two minutes to read all the readings. Uh, okay, I'm going to try to pray with the readings throughout the week. Okay, I'm a, okay what, do you, what, what do I think Father's going to talk about this weekend? You know, I just read the readings, so, I mean, kind of what do I think he's going to talk about? And then there's a preparation that happens at like during mass actually, right? So like, okay, I'm sitting up straight. I, I tried to come uh, my best dress. You know, I'm taking this seriously. Uh, I'm trying to pay attention to all these things. So like if you're struggling in one of the areas, like let's say you have a ton of kids, which is beautiful, right? But the kids are distracting you the whole mass. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, so like if the kids are distracting you the whole mass, well then let's try to focus on uh, getting that, preparation but throughout the week right so like i'm we're reading the readings together we're praying we're praying throughout the week and then when we get to mass you know the kids are acting up that you know this one just threw up this one's playing with legos and thing is making a ton of noise whatever uh but you've you've done as best as you can right sure or if you know god meets you where you are yeah absolutely as long as you're doing your best if you're doing if you're just bringing yourself God can work with you, mm-hmm. but don't, but just don't expect like for you to it completely ignore everything and like not even try and just say, all right, God, do the heavy lifting or all right, God, uh, do what you can. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lift a finger. God can't work with that. He, we have free will bring, bring whatever you can to God and watch him multiply it, bring it to the Eucharist and watch your love of God increase. That's where we started, right? With the fishes and the loaves. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, the Eucharist and confession, two gifts that God's given us so that we can become the saints he created us to be. Yes. How powerful. All right, Father. Great episode. Absolutely. This ends the Bread of Life discourse. Now uh, on to the, to the Gospels of whatever else we can get, <laughs> whatever else the church gives us. We'll see where Jesus is on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So until then, y'all have a great week and we'll see y'all at Mass this weekend. God bless. God bless. God bless.